your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so does not cost you a single cent and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's podcast, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Winnipeg's upcoming game versus the Vancouver Canucks, what I expect to happen, uh, maybe some surprise changes, and then some announcements from around the team. There have been some injuries and things that look to be decently long-term. We'll talk about what this might mean for opportunities for some of the Jets' prospects to really step up, as well as some things that at least from the uh, current lineups, are, are maybe a little bit worrying. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. And then afterwards, I thought it would be wise to address some of the larger changes that might need to happen with this team. You know, I, I think a number of folks are starting to use the S word when it comes to the Jets, and that is, of course, you know, being a seller. And I've talked about it briefly. I've mentioned a couple of players like Kopp and Stasny who might be on the trading block. But on this episode... We might take a look at some of the bigger names and uh, some of the players that I've seen bandied about on Twitter, you know, some of the bigger names that maybe people aren't really thinking about trading right now, but in this upcoming summer or maybe next year, you know, this team might be looking a little different. We'll talk about whether or not the Jets could actually succeed in doing any of these trades and what might be coming back in return. But first, let's start off with Winnipeg versus Vancouver. The Jets will be taking on a pretty mediocre Canucks squad this evening, and I don't really know that the Jets are all that concerned about dropping points here. I feel like I would imagine Winnipeg is expecting to come away with the win, although I I don't think that they should. You know, Spencer Martin came in the other night for Vancouver and made like 50-plus saves or something. It was a a very near victory for the Canucks, basically relying on their goaltending. And while the team itself was very poor, you know, it doesn't really take a lot for the Jets' offense to be stymied and find itself only scoring one or two goals against a team that, quite frankly, it should be doing better against. One need only see Vimelka's performance against Winnipeg this season to know that whether the team is poor or not, you know, the Jets have really struggled against decent goaltending. That can be true of almost any squad, but, you know, with the Jets and how they play, it's especially problematic because oftentimes I feel like if the Jets struggle to score, they kind of keep going back to the same well, and they really struggle to make in-game adjustments that, you know, would produce perhaps better results. So, you know, if, if plan A doesn't work, you have to have a plan B, and that's something that Winnipeg doesn't really have as often. You know, they've usually thrown out, like, different line combos, maybe adjusting the pressure a bit, but overall it just doesn't really feel like Winnipeg makes the right adjustments in response. The Canucks under Boudreaux, I, I think, are not nearly as good as their record appears to be. You know, they're they're definitely a sub-50% expected goals kind of team, which isn't super shocking. Boudreaux can do a lot to disguise the issues, and I think as far as getting a person who might be a really good motivator and might also bring the team together a little bit better, 
you know, in that respect, I think Boudreaux is a great pick. And long-term, he could be a very smart, very savvy coach to get this team back on track in the future. But right now, it's a little bit rougher, and I don't think everything is entirely his fault. He's been given a roster that's just not that great. There's a lot of dead weight in the uh, the bottom six. The defense is kind of a trash fire. You know, Vancouver's top six is pretty decent, but after that, things get a bit dire. You know, they've still got a, a couple of players who probably shouldn't be getting regular ice time if Vancouver wants to make the postseason, but, you know, that that's kind of a different discussion. As far as what the Jets are going to be putting out there, we have a couple of lineup changes. We've got uh, Connor Dubois-Perfetti together, which is a pretty cool unit. We've seen that one in the past couple of games. It's looked great, right? Nothing to really be surprised by with that. Cop Shifley wheeler This line, it's doing okay. It's been better than I expected, but it's not great. And at some point, I just feel like it needs some kind of finishing talent, but I don't want to see uh, Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor again. That unit I don't think works all that well. But Cop, Shifley, Wheeler, you know, Cop's game may not be defensive exactly, but he does have a habit of getting into the slot, and he can create chaos. So it's an okay unit. If if it's just okay, I can probably live with that versus something that's just outright terrible. The third line uh, has, you know, Stastny, Lowry, and Pagansky. And to be honest, I just really hate this line. I don't really feel it actually has all that much chemistry. It doesn't work all that well. And honestly, Pagansky, uh, he's working hard out there, and he's putting a lot of really um, hard work shifts in, and, and he tries to be physical, tries to get the puck up in transition. But aside from skating around and stuff... I don't really think his impact on the game is super tangible. I think he definitely is trying to figure out the best way to be effective at the NHL level, but, you know, he looks like a fourth liner. I don't really feel that with how much that third line gets used, Pagansky is really the best fit there. You've got Zvechnikov just sitting there on the fourth line, right? Instead of putting Zvechnikov with a unit that doesn't really accomplish a ton, maybe give him the ice time that he's actually earned, which is more likely like a second or a third line deployment. Um, that fourth line right now has Svechnikov, Harkins, and Veselainen. It just ain't that great of a unit. I, I know that Toninato is currently out, so you know Harkins is going to slide down the middle, but I, I really don't feel Harkins has been all that great at center. He looks more like a, a winger of sorts. Uh, remember when Roslovic tried to be converted to center for the Jets? Didn't really work out. Same kind of thing with Harkins. I think with how this team plays, Jansen's just better out wide, and, uh, you know, Veselainen, he's trying his best, but of course he's not really capable of, of uh, making a tangible impact if he's only getting a few minutes, and he's on a line that, quite honestly, hasn't really had a lot of offensive zone time. So this unit, not in love with. Christian Reichel does appear to be the extra forward, and, you know, it, it is what it is. It's not great. It's just this lineup you can kind of see is is lacking some notable offensive punch once you start getting down to the bottom of the team. And, yeah, I don't know how you work around it other than maybe trying to be a little bit more aggressive on the forecheck, looking for faster counters, and trying to find some extra foot speed from somewhere. Because right now, the Jets are, are lacking skill, they're a bit slow, and the finishing talent has been a little bit suspect. The defense has probably seen the biggest reshuffle, and we'll take a look at why in just a moment. Before then, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about BetOnline.ag and why they should be your number one choice for all of your online betting needs during this holiday season. BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. 
Not into football? No problem, because BetOnline has you covered for all of the other sports action you could possibly want. It should be your number one destination for all your online betting needs. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Whether you want to play some bets on a Baltimore Ravens game, or you're more interested in who might be your standout scorer from the next Winnipeg Jets outing, BetOnline should be the only place you place your online bets on that next hotly anticipated game. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so don't hesitate to sign up today for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are continuing our discussion on Winnipeg's current uh, game, which is going to be against Vancouver later this evening. We have um, obviously a bit of a reshuffled deck for the lineup, and on defense, things are looking pretty interesting. And I don't know if it's for the better. With both Dylan DeMello and Josh Morrissey out with COVID protocol slash injuries, you know, the, the deck has had to be reshuffled quite a bit, which isn't super shocking. And the pairings that they've come up with include Dylan Schmidt, Bolu Pionk, and Heinola Kovacevic. Now, you might be wondering, where is Dylan Sandberg? Well, Sandberg went down in the game against the Panthers, I'm pretty sure. And there was a moment where I think he looked a little bit uh, off kilter. And it turns out he does actually have some kind of an upper body injury. And Dave Lowry today said it's going to be week to week, which is not great news. Sandberg, you know, in his limited sample size, I think has done a pretty admirable job of filling in on the second pairing. He's looked like a capable two-way D with notable defensive presence. I think he's generally a pretty smart kid when it comes to using outlets, um, making some good defensive reads, not overcomplicating things. He doesn't have like a ton of offensive jump to his game, but that's not really necessary if you've got him with like Pionk. It's super disappointing to see him get injured again because I think he actually did get sidelined for uh, decent stretches of the last season with the Moose due to some kind of an injury. Hopefully it's nothing too, too bad this time, but week to week doesn't sound great. Um, and it doesn't sound like they know entirely what is wrong with him, I guess. So it's probably just going to have to be a, a, a see-as-you-go sort of situation, and hopefully he makes a full recovery and comes back to this lineup because I think he's actually been pretty darn good. Uh, last game against the Panthers, maybe not so great, but no one was very good on that blue line, so I'm not really going to fault a rookie who's just had a couple of NHL games for that level of performance. Now, my concern starts to be when I'm looking at these pairings and I'm seeing Dylan Schmidt, this grouping doesn't really feel, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it's going to be all that effective. Schmidt, in my mind, hasn't really been all that good over the past few weeks. I know that he trades defense for offensive ability, but when he's not scoring, you know, I kind of have to ask questions about his overall impact. I, I was kind of thinking he'd be a little bit more dynamic for this team, and in some situations he is, but with how passive the Jets have been defensively, I think it's only exposed some of his very clear shortcomings rather than emphasizing what makes him so dangerous, which is him in possession inside the offensive zone. So I'd like the Jets to make better use of him and for his own level of performance to increase. I think he's got it in him, and I think he can show off even more of that dynamism that we, we uh, traded for him for. But yeah, so far, a little more modest than maybe I was expecting. Where things get super alarming is when you look at that second pairing and you see Bolu Pionk. This is not a pairing that I think is going to do well. 
Bowie has a very simple approach to defending, and that's often to get in front of his goaltender, try and block shots, and that's about it. You know, you don't really see him doing a lot of high-end reads. He's not somebody who's super mobile and makes really aggressive pickoffs because, to be honest, when he does get aggressive, it usually takes him out of position and somebody else ends up kind of blowing a tire and they lose coverage. So, Bowie, Pionk, Neil's going to have to do so much of the heavy lifting, and I don't know that this is going to be great. If he had a better supporting cast, I feel like this pairing wouldn't be uh, nearly as eye-watering, but Bowie just hasn't really done anything in his Jets tenure to give me a lot of faith that this pairing is going to work out. I know it's just Vancouver, but even the Canucks have given the Jets some issues in the past. I don't want to write it off yet, and you know, considering how much Bowie was likely to play, I... Uh, I'm not getting great vibes. I don't know if I would put Heinola in his place instead, but certainly with Pionkai, I just feel this is not really the way. The third pairing is going to be Heinola Kovacevic, and I could imagine this pairing actually doing okay. The only thing that concerns me is that, you know, I think Heinola works best when you have a really confident puck carrier with him. In those last few shifts that we saw with him paired alongside Nate Schmidt, that unit actually worked really well. Uh, Schmidt sat higher and was closer to the neutral zone. Heinela would circle towards the back of the net, pick up the puck, and then set up Schmidt either for a breakout or look for another outlet seam. It was a lot more calm, composed, and collected than what we saw when he was paired alongside Bolu, which is not super shocking. I think his aggression and stuff and his natural instincts to get forward were ending up uh, costing him pretty significantly because if you have Bolu as your partner, Nate's just not really going to cover for that. He will try his best, but again, he's not going to drop deep into the right spots, and he doesn't really have the positioning or the awareness to make really critical D reads at the right times if, you know, Heinola gets caught really high up the ice. Once Heinola sort of backed off the gas and maybe was a little bit more conservative, I think the game for him drastically changed, and in those last couple of shifts, I thought I saw the, the version of Heinola that, quite honestly, I was expecting, uh, you know, maybe later in the season. Against the Panthers, it's a bit of a tough task to throw in a guy who hasn't played in like a month and only has a couple of NHL games under his belt, but he did his best, didn't really go according to plan, but the last few shifts at least I felt might be serviceable. So alongside Kovacevic, I could see it working. Johnny hasn't made his NHL debut yet, so this will be a very big test for him. Obviously, Vancouver, maybe not the absolute hardest opponent to face, but certainly not a team that you should take lightly, and I think it'd be very important for these two to keep their composure, keep calm, just kind of go through uh, the motions that they know how to do. Don't overcomplicate things. You know, if you want to get fancy later on the power play or something, by all means, use your skill and show off that flair. But in this, in this uh, organization, I think a lot of times just simplifying your game is really important to earning that extra level of ice time. And I, I think Heinola really needs to, uh, at least right now, build that bridge of trust because it just seems like this organization doesn't really put the same emphasis across the board that maybe they had on him when he was drafted. He's waited a long time for this opportunity. It's only finally coming now through injuries. Hopefully he can make the most of it and really shine and uh, you know give Kovacevic a really good first NHL game as a partner. Now, there are certainly a lot of questions about the uh, the game's lineup, but I think the bigger questions sit beyond tonight and ultimately extend towards the rest of the season. I've talked about the Jets as sellers, but we've talked about most of the guys who are really sensible trade options. Now it's time to focus on some of the bigger names and ultimately, you know, whether the Jets need to think about blowing it all up. We'll take a look at this when we get back in just a moment. 
Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight with some uh, additional thoughts on the Jets as sellers. We've talked about getting rid of some UFAs and stuff that are, are pending for the Jets in this offseason because a decent amount of contracts are going to be expiring and not everyone should really be coming back. Um, but as far as the bigger names on this roster are concerned, the players that are under contract control and whatnot, you know, the Jets have a lot of really long-term decisions to make. And I think one of the bigger ones ultimately kind of comes down to Mark Shifley. I think Shifley, for me, over the past few years, is is clearly a supremely talented player, but it just doesn't feel like the overall aspects of his game that he used to exhibit on a daily basis are as present as they used to be. You know, the defensive game has kind of vanished. Um, offensively, I think he's still very talented, but he's not really scoring as much as he used to, and I don't know if that's a product of him maybe just not being as much of a shoot-first mentality now. He's definitely passing a lot more, and maybe it's a little bit unfortunate for him right now, but just in general, I feel like his game, it's kind of at the level where I feel like you're getting basically what you're paying for. And while he's still very effective, I just feel like the stuff that he doesn't do, it stands out in very stark contrast. And like, I'm not really super, super hyped on the whole big character guy in the room and stuff, but I do think that you have to lead by example. And I kind of wonder who's going to do that for the Jets, because I feel like Shifley over the years maybe doesn't have some of the same traits that I was hoping for. The version of him that we saw a few years ago, it just doesn't really seem to be reflected in his current level of play, and it's a bit disappointing. You know, Shifley for me was one of my favorite players, especially coming off of the uh, the growth in his 2015 season and afterwards, where he just started dominating the NHL. That version of him was so dynamic, so responsible in his two-way play, and just a genuinely phenomenal player. Nowadays, he's still really good, but just not at the level. And, you know, at his age and on his current contract, you have to ask questions about, would it be better to let him go and maybe get a fresh start somewhere? It's clear that he does love playing for the Jets, but the efforts and stuff that we're seeing from him, it just doesn't feel as strong as it should. The thing with Mark, though, is that you're not really going to get any sort of fair return for him because while he is still producing a ton of points and he's still very active and could certainly get a big trade package... The odds that you're actually going to replace his level of impact with whatever you get in the assets in return just doesn't seem all that likely. So in a lot of ways, I just feel like you have to pair him with somebody who's going to get him going again. Every time he plays with Ehlers, I feel like that tends to look pretty good. Maybe that's what'll get him moving and, and motivated. I don't know if it's going to fix all of his defensive problems, but at least offensively, I think he'll light up and look a lot more energetic and, and happy. That's one thing that I think would be a really good thing to see is him back to his best, enjoying hockey and having fun. Uh, as far as Josh Morrissey is concerned, I, I think you just stick with Morrissey. I don't really feel like there's an easy way to move his contract. And on a personal level, part of me doesn't really feel comfortable with just trying to move him now. I feel that he's definitely a fixture on this team. The, the team very much loves him. He loves the team in the city. And his resurgence, you know, it, it doesn't really force you to move him out this this immediately now. He can comfortably be trusted with what essentially would be like number two responsibilities. I know that he's maybe not the best, but it is what it is. I think you're going to have issues with some players, um, especially some of the guys not really playing at like an elite level. But I think Morrissey is doing enough nowadays where 
I, I don't have as much to worry about with him. As long as he's not, like, given the lead number one responsibilities, I can live with the current contract situation. It'd be cool to see him, you know, contributing even more and continuing to rebound in his performance, but some level of uh, acceptance for maybe some mistakes here and there is going to have to happen because this Jets defense right now doesn't really have a super supportive environment for him to be as elite as he could be. And by elite as he could be, I mean in more of a complementary role, not as the lead number one. After that, there aren't that many other players to really discuss, but I think the biggest one is probably Connor Hellebuck. You know, Helly is getting closer to 30, and this is kind of the age where some netminders do fall off pretty significantly. I don't know if I really worry about that with Hellebuck, but, you know, his contract is going to expire in the near future. He's got a couple of seasons left, I believe, and after that, you know, then he becomes a free agent, and I don't really know about resigning him. Um, it's a very big risk if you're, you're, you're buying into a goalie at, like, age 31, 32, 33, and trying to get, like, five years out of him. Some netminders have been able to do it. You know, Henrik, Henrik Lundqvist had many, many seasons as one of the league's best starters and most consistent starters. But for Hellebuck, I don't know if that level of play over, like, uh, you know, over the age of 30 is going to be something that we can expect with him. So I don't know if the Jets really want to keep him long term. Um, I, I think he's obviously our team's MVP. And if he goes, it would signal like the biggest shift in Jets history, really, because we'd be tearing it down from the ground up and starting over. So I don't really feel like I want to trade him unless some insane offer comes in. But, you know, as it is, I, I still want this team to try and be in, as competitive as possible and, and make those Stanley Cup runs. So I think you have to keep Hellebuck for the time being unless somebody comes in and either wows you or the Jets see some kind of offer that they literally cannot walk away from and they, they put Hellebuck in the deal to really get it done. Ultimately, my, my general sense is I, I think you should be soft sellers and get rid of some of the free agents that probably deserve a chance to get a, a really good playoff run in rather than sticking around with the Jets and kind of, you know, being frustrated and struggling. I think Stasny expressed his frustration. I'm sure Cop is irritated too. So let them get to greener pastures. Focus on maybe rebuilding and giving your younger kids some some good opportunities to really make an impact. Evaluate what you've got. And then if you really want to rebuild, you can start moving on to the bigger fish. But I, I don't know. I feel like this team still has something left in the tank if they can get the right leadership. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the matter, though. So be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. Before you log off, be sure to make Locked on Bets your second listen of the day. Uh, your number one source for all of your online gambling needs, Locked on Bets. Hosted by your boy Q and Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. You can follow and subscribe to Locked on Bets on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, so be sure to do so right now. And as always, thank you for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!